Hello, I am Alec Avdikov, and welcome to the life and times of Frederick the Great. For this week's intro, I simply want to say that you should make sure to give me honest feedback and ratings from wherever you listen. Another thing is that I'm simply grateful for all the support I keep getting about this weird podcast of mine. It's weird to think that this will be my 27th episode. Seriously, you folks all rock. But instead of getting over sentimental as I like to do, let's get straight into the episode. So now we have a little bit of better of an understanding of what Prussian infantry was like. The uniforms, tactics, and equipment helped Prussia's army become one of the best in Europe. So, if you remember back to episode 24 about the diplomacy that took place in 1741 after Frederick's victorious battle at Molwitz, France, Prussia, Bavaria, and Saxony became allies that year. France wanted more influence in German politics, Prussia wanted international recognition that Silesia was Prussian, and the Bavarian elector, Charles Albert, wanted to become King of Bohemia and ultimately the Holy Roman Emperor, while Saxony had competing claims with Prussia for Silesia and Moravia. Frederick, seeing that his allies lacked a sense of urgency, or sense of anything in warfare, decided to have talks between himself and the Austrian Field Marshal Neitberg. These talks took place secretly in the town of Klein Schnellendorf. Frederick and Neitberg came up with a compromise. The Prussians would allow the Austrian army to leave Silesia without the Prussians attacking them, and the Prussian army would go into their winter headquarters. In exchange, the fortress of Nysa, which was still under Austrian control, would be handed over to the Prussians. Nobody signed anything at this meeting, so each side had deniability. This meeting took place on October 9th, 1741, while there were other events going on outside Silesia. On October 21st, 1741, the French and Bavarian Allied Army advanced within 60 kilometers of Vienna, the very heart of the Habsburg Empire. The Franco-Bavarian Army looked poised to take Vienna. There seemed to be no way to stop this army from taking the capital of Austria. But you'll never guess what happened next. Does the army push on to Vienna and destroy the Habsburg Empire from the face of the earth, only to create a new order in which France is the most powerful kingdom on the continent? This probably would have been the most prudent thing the French army could have done, but one of the armies of Louis XV been prudent. Anyway, these dum-dums decide to go north and waste the opportunity completely in order for the Bavarian elector to gain the title the King of Bohemia. I mean, there are some military decisions you can look back and say, all right, that was a bad mistake, but I can see where they are coming from. But this one, I just want to grab the French commander by the shoulder and ask him, just what the heck do you think you are doing? Seize Vienna, you nincompoop. Anyway, no point in crying over spilled milk. The French and Bavarians then continued to march north when on November 20th, 1741, they were reinforced by 20,000 Saxon troops. The Allied army took the Bohemian capital of Prague in a surprise attack by a marshal who was an illegitimate son of the former king of Poland, Augustus the, Augustus the Strong, on November 26th of the same year. 
Now that the French and Bavarians were in control of Prague, the Bavarian elector Charles Albert claimed all of Bohemia. On Thursday, December 7, 1741, 200 years before the attack on Pearl Harbor, 400 Bohemian nobles who were fed up with Habsburg rule elected Charles Albert of Bavaria the King of Bohemia. For Charles Albert, this must have felt like how Thanos felt when he finally obtained all of the Infinity Stones. Now that Charles Albert had the Kingdom of Bohemia, which had a vote to elect the next Holy Roman Emperor, he could Thanos snap his way to become the Emperor. This development scared Frederick into motion. Frederick broke the truce of Klein Schnellendorf and moved his army into Moravia. He cited that the terms of the agreement were broken because the Austrians had not been entirely secret about the matter. However, this was just Frederick panicking because he believed that if Austria were going to collapse under the pressure of the French and Bavarians, then Prussia would be left out of the best spoils of victory. So, four days after the French and Bavarians took the city of Prague, Frederick sent 25 squadrons of cavalry to reinforce the Allied army of France, Bavaria, and now 20,000 Saxons that I spoke of earlier. Frederick ordered Field Marshal Schwerin to take the city of Olmütz, which was roughly 80 kilometers from the Moravian capital of Brünn. Olmütz was then captured on December 17, 1741. This would be the last major action of that year. 1741 is a year that was marked by an upset victory at Molwitz and a ton of diplomatic back dealings and horse trading that European diplomacy is either famous or infamous for, depending on your view. The Allies against Austria seemed to be inches away from victory, a victory they could all seem to taste. On January 17th, during his move south, Frederick's army captured the majority of the town of Glatz, with its citadel holding out until April. But this seemed to be the high tide of the Allied effort against Austria. On January 24, 1742, two major things occurred. Charles Albert of Bavaria was elected the Holy Roman Emperor in the city of Frankfurt am Main in a unanimous vote, and an Austrian force of 16,000 arrived from Italy and captured the city of Linz and the French army of 10,000 that was stationed there. The tide continued to turn against the Allies when the Austrians took the Bavarian capital of Munich on February 12, 1742. This was ironically the same day Charles Albert of Bavaria was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor. Frederick still wanted to press the advantage he held in Moravia and begin an Allied advance on Vienna. So in February, Frederick Mar advanced with an army of Prussians and Saxons south towards the city of Brünn. According to Tim Blanning's book on Frederick the Great, he writes, quote, This was the first time that Frederick had attempted an operation with an ally, and he did not enjoy the experience. He claimed that the Saxons supplied only 14,000, as opposed to the 22,000 they promised, and they were poorly supplied and uncooperative. That Prusso-Saxon army of 30,000 men moved to the border of Bohemia and Moravia to Iglau. Frederick's army continued to march further south until Frederick's headquarters was about 90 kilometers by road to Vienna. On March 1st, Frederick's light cavalry, known as the Hussars, was only a few kilometers away from Vienna. Despite this, 
Frederick's army was at its tipping point and could no longer support its advance into Vienna. The Austrian army was now led by Maria, There Maria Theresa's brother-in-law, Charles of Lorraine, who was a much more effective commander than the unfortunate Field Marshal Neipberg. On February 15, 1742, the Austrians recaptured Iglau and the French withdrew north into central Bohemia. Frederick simply had to withdraw north or else his army would be cut off. Frederick's army dodged being captured and moved to a town called Selovitz. Frederick's mind then turned to peace. He came up with the so-called conditions of Selovitz that go something like this. See, Frederick wanted Austria to recognize that not only was Upper Silesia his, but also the county of Glatz, which he had recently captured. He also put something in there about satisfaction for his allies. He mainly did not want to see the election of Charles Albert be overturned. He was fairly self-interested in this cry for peace. He mainly just wanted to keep Silesia, the whole reason he went to war in 1740. Frederick knew that Prussia could not withstand a long war against Austria, even with allies. After all, Prussia was still that sandy land that was fairly poor. He just wanted to keep what he had in war and improve his kingdom in peace. His logistics were stretched to their extreme limits. According to David Fraser's book on Frederick the Great, he writes, quote, Winter conditions would last until April, and the armies in Moravia, the Austrians who were advancing into it, and the Prussians who were already there, could only exist by plunder. And plunder was arousing the desperate, famished resistance of the Moravian population. Ultimately, Negotiations and talking could only go so far when two sides have two widely separate views of what a peace should look like. Therefore, it would be decided on the battlefield. Because the Austrians were advancing in an unexpected strength, Frederick decided to abandon the city of Olmütz to the Austrians in April 1742. He hoped he could have an allied army of 45,000 in the town of Padubitz, which was north of Iglau. In late April, the Austrians had retaken Olmütz, and it looked as though Frederick's army was going to be driven out of Moravia entirely. Frederick had noticed by May 10th that the Austrians were going after his army rather than retaking Prague. The main thrust was coming from Moravia towards Frederick. Therefore, he was the rat that the Austrians planned to trap. His army was fairly dispersed by this point, and on May 13th, he ordered his army to concentrate near the town of Chudrin, just south of Padovitz. He had roughly 15,000 Prussians, 15,000 Saxons, and 3,000 French under his command. On May 15th, the Allied army began to march westward toward Prague. The Austrian commander Charles of Lorraine concentrated his army in western Moravia and began a mad dash towards Frederick's army from the south. On May 15th, Frederick said, let's split up, gang, and divided his army in two. With an advance guard of about a third of his army under Frederick and the rest of the two-thirds of his army under the command of Prince Leopold Max of Anhalt-Dessau, he was the oldest son of the old Dessauer, 
and was ordered to march the next day on May 16th. This move was most likely done to keep pressure off the roads and because the exhaustion of the men on a prolonged march during this time period. David Frazier's book on Frederick the Great calls Frederick's decision to invade his army, to divide his army, quote, a most imprudent maneuver. In short, Frederick done screwed up. Frederick discovered that the Austrians had concentrated their army a few miles away from his advance guard on May 16th, south of a little town called Kotuzitz. At 5 a.m., Frederick wrote to Leopold Max of Anhalt Dessau that he would march back to unite with the rest of the army. If the Austrians ever caught wind that the Frederick was marching back with a very small army, the Austrians could just ambush him on the march, and Frederick would never become the great. However, despite the threat the Austrians posed, Frederick was not caught in the act. Therefore, Frederick and the Prussian army would survive the near catastrophe of May 16, 1742. Overnight, the Prussian army would encamp at Sehuschitz. One could only imagine how tense the soldiers were knowing that tomorrow morning battle was likely to occur. I'm sure there were many comrades who had served for many years under Frederick Wilhelm and now in a year and a half of campaigning under Frederick and they were saying their final goodbyes. Everyone from the bugler down to the brave grenadier knew that this might be his time to perish. But these were the Prussians, so they had an ace up their sleeve that no other army had in Europe. This was, of course, Frederick. To the army, Frederick was simply known as Fritz. Frederick talked amongst the soldiers at their campfires, asked the soldiers how their conditions were, and, because he was a total control freak, he would write about the field bakeries, field ovens, and number of rations a soldier had, and he would do his best to reform the system he had. Therefore, the soldiers could sleep well at night, knowing that their king and commander was one of them. The soldiers of the Prussian army were absolutely exhausted after marching back and forth so many miles the day before. They were short of rations, and the two split armies finally united at 7.30 a.m. on May 17, 1742. Let me paint you a mental picture of how the Prussian army had deployed that day. On the left of the Prussian army, Prince Leopold Max of Anhalt-Dessau was commanding. Frederick had ordered the troops under Prince Leopold Max to take the town of Chotuzitz. Frederick's contingent was in the center, behind a small plateau. On the Prussian right wing, the commander of the cavalry was Major General von Budenbrock. The Prussian army was spread out across three miles from Sehuschitz on their left to Sirkwitz Pond on their right. Before them were the Austrians, who roughly numbered 30,000 men. Both sides had roughly comparable, if not equal, numbers. About 30 minutes after Prince Leopold Max and Frederick met, the battle began with an attack of the cavalry with 35 squadrons led by General von Budenbrock on the Austrian left. The Prussians had success in the short term and flanked the Austrian left. However, as the engagement raged on, the Prussians began losing ground. The battle on the Austrian left then eventually just became a confused marsh pit of fighting. The Austrians then began an attack on the Prussian center. 
The Austrian charge was met by a fierce Prussian resistance, but the Austrians drove the Prussians out of Chotuzitz. Frederick held his contingent of the army in reserve behind a small plateau in order to keep them fresh and mount a counterattack once the Austrians exhausted themselves. At 10.30 a.m., this force of 14 battalions advanced against the Austrian left flank that was entering Chotuzitz. The Prussian army had exploited a gap in the center of the Austrian line. By 11 a.m., the Austrians broke and fled from the battle. Frederick had lost 4,800 men during the battle, and the Austrians had lost around 6,300 men, most of which were prisoners of war. According to Tim Blanning's book on Frederick the Great, the Prussians had lost 1,000 more casualties during the actual battle. Three days after the fight, Frederick wrote to his friend Charles-Étienne Jordan that the battle was a complete victory and had been practically bloodless. He wrote that the Prussians had only lost around, say, 1,000 men. While this may have been complete, utter nonsense on Frederick's part, Frederick did win an important battle. The Austrians were close to wiping the Prussian army off the map, but it was the steadiness of the infantry that saved Frederick's bacon once again. It was the, ordina it was the ordinary soldier who was trained and drilled to fight almost down to a science that won the day for the Prussians. As at Molwitz, it was clear that Frederick was still an inexperienced commander and had some learning to do. I mean, he needlessly split up his troops right before a battle, which forced him to order his army to, to march backward on the same route they went on, and only 30 minutes before the actual battle did the two parts of the army unite to become a unified fighting force. But Fritz was learning. A great quote comes... Uh, from David Fraser's book on Frederick the Great. He writes, quote, The most enduring lessons are made from one's own mistakes. That's not just a good piece of military advice, but a great piece of advice for any young person who grows up. So let me repeat that. The most enduring lessons are made from one's own mistakes. Directly after the battle, Frederick chose not to exploit his victory, and he gave the cheeky excuse that, quote, I didn't want to defeat them too badly. The main reason why he did not pursue the Austrian army was that he had absolutely exhausted the men with his pointless marches. But his statement may have also been fairly true. Remember that he did not want to dismantle the Habsburg Empire. He simply wanted Upper Silesia and Glatz. He probably figured that if he kept the Austrian army intact, it would show Maria Theresa that Frederick was a man that she could work with. This is because peace was on his mind. I believe that is where I shall leave you. This week had a bunch of military and political maneuvering that left Frederick with battle as his only option. This battle crushed the hopes of the Austrians to regain Silesia and fanned the flames of peace that was in the eyes of Frederick. Thank you all for listening, and to conclude today's week, I shall say to you to remember to always wash your hands. It's just a good idea.